Good morning. Uh, I'm so glad you could join me in the tropics this morning for a morning of worship. Um, this is an amazing set. I'm excited for VBS. I wish I was an early preschooler and could attend. It looks awesome. Um, I am Becca Ottaway. For those, uh, most of you I, I think I know, but for those that you don't, uh, I'm Becca Ottaway for two more weeks. And then uh, I'm getting married, so that's exciting. Something happened in my life. Um, and so uh, both my fiance Brody and I are both uh, campus ministry, uh, missionaries with Chi Alpha Campus Ministries um, at Edinburgh University's campus. And in the fall, uh, we're looking to pioneer Penn State Barron um, with a new uh, college ministry there. And so that's just a little bit of who I am, what I do, where I'm from. I grew up in this church. And so excited to be with you this morning. Uh, the last few weeks, uh, we've been walking through a series of photos, and we've been looking through the Jesus filter. Um, and so this is our photo today. Um, it's called metamorphosis. Um, so you're all familiar with that term, I assume, if you had any kind of biology class in middle school, high school, college. Uh, metamorphosis is the process that butterflies, mostly other winged insects, undergo when they transform from a caterpillar into a butterfly. So it's a total renewal. It's a change from one form to another, a change from an immature form to an adult form. And all the parents said quietly, amen. Like, <laughs> Lord, send my child to metamorphosis. Uh, there's another term, though, a biblical term for this process, too, and it's called sanctification. And so this is a continual process that we undergo as Christians and as Christ transforms us more and more uh, like him from one degree of glory to the next. And so 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, meaning we don't have to look through the lens of the old covenant anymore, the, the lens of the, the do's and the don'ts, and I'm unclean and I have to go through this process to become clean again. Uh, so this scripture is talking about that we don't have to look through that anymore. We have direct access to God through this shed blood of Jesus. Um, so we all, with unveiled faces, uh, continually seeing as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are progressively being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So before we continue this morning and talk about sanctification and what this photo kind of is unraveling, uh, and the entirety of, of that, we have to pause and understand a few more biblical terms and really the nature of our relationship with God and what that's like um, and how we relate to him to understand what Christ is saying in this photo. So before we are metamorphosized or sanctified, we are justified. So justification, this is a legal term that this just judge of the universe bangs a gavel, uh, forgives us of our sins and declares us innocent um, through, his, through the, the, di the death, life, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So this justification, this innocence is imputed to us. It's not earned. It's, nothing that, uh, it's not that we're actually innocent. It's that Christ imputes his good deeds, his total obedience, his perfection, and his holiness so that when God views us, uh, he sees the, pure, the, perfect, uh, the perfection of Christ, and he bangs the gavel and declares us innocent. That's justification. Jesus meets you where you are in all your imperfection and messiness and claims you as his own. And so the other term we need to understand is not just justification, but adoption. Because God is not just the just judge of the universe that bangs the gavel and declares us innocent. He's also our heavenly father 
that loves and delights and has joy in us being his sons and daughters. And this is a hard concept for some of us to understand uh, because some of us didn't have earthly fathers that were always the picture of perfection when it came to fathers. And so unfortunately, I'd say especially in the ministry um, that my fiance and I are in with college students, that's the case most of the time, broken homes and fathers that were absent. So if your dad had issues, then this can be an an idea that can be tough to wrestle with. But here's the thing is that our heavenly father is not like our earthly fathers were. He doesn't lack patience like my dad probably lacked patience with me as a a redheaded, sassy teenager. Our heavenly father is long-suffering, slow to anger, abounding in love. He says things to his children that no earthly father would ever say to his children, ask me again. As children, when you you guys would say, ask me again, we knew not to ask again. (laughs) But our Heavenly Father says, ask me again. Jesus compares this principle to a parable he tells us about a persistent widow who just keeps asking the judge over and over again, just keeps asking. And the parable that Jesus is telling has a wicked judge in it. And so if a wicked judge will finally give in and listen, won't a Heavenly Father who wants to give us good gifts? So we've not only been justified by a judge, but we've been loved by a heavenly father. And that's the nature of our relationship with God, that we've been justified, declared innocent, and then we have been called sons and daughters, heirs with God and co-heirs with Christ. And that happened in an instant, simultaneously at once. And in that moment, when we came to salvation in Christ, we gained what we gained as a positional holiness. Since we have been justified and adopted, when Christ sees me, he sees me as spotless and blameless in his sight. That's positional holiness. It's because of him, not anything that I have done. In fact, I'm far from actually being holy, but the Lord declares me holy in my position as his daughter or as his son. But he wants more for us than positional holiness, and that's where our image today comes in. He wants to actually transform our lives. He wants to set us free from all this bondage of sin and death. And he's not just wanting positional holiness, but actually wanting a manifest holiness, a transformation, a metamorphosis of our lives, where our lives get lined up to be more and more and more like his. Positional holiness is spectacular, but it's a hard thing to get the mind around because he's not just after positional holiness. His plan is to transform our lives. You might have heard it this way if you grew up in in church circles or or camps. It's stated like this, God loves you right where you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay there. God loves you right where you are, justification, declared holy in his sight, but he loves you too much to let you stay there. That's the transformation. That's the metamorphosis of sanctification. It's not like justification and adoption and that it doesn't happen in one moment, but rather it's a, it happens over a lifetime of living and walking in step with Jesus Christ. From the moment of conversion until the moment of heaven, you're being sanctified. You're being transformed from one degree of glory to the next by the Spirit of God more and more and more like Jesus. Sanctification is uncovering the Christ in you. And we play a part in in sanctification. Justification and adoption are in a moment. Like I said, by the grace and mercy of God, there's nothing we can do to earn or deserve it. But we play a part in our sanctification. Paul instructs us in Philippians to always work out our salvation, to bring it to full effect, to cultivate it. We are to actively pursue spiritual maturity. He says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, 
not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will you and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So how do we embrace this metamorphosis and transformation of our lives? How do we work out our salvation as Paul instructs? And if Christ instructs us to be holy as I am holy, how do we get there? Is it possible to get there? How do we uncover the Christ in us as our image depicts to us today? I think it's important to note that if Christ is in us, that is doing the sanctify, it is Christ in us that's doing the sanctifying. Colossians 1 says it's Christ in us that is the hope of glory. But how can we partner with the Holy Spirit in his sanctifying work in us? Colossians 3 verse 1 says, Since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So setting our minds on things that are above is the first step in sanctification. Getting our mind off the things that are below, setting them on the things that are above, um, and it's a change, it's a metamorphosis of the mindset. Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, the renewing of your mind can't simply be memorizing verses of the Bible or attending Bible study once a week, because in scripture, we actually see Jesus rebuke some of the men and Pharisees who just memorized a bunch of scripture and Levitical law, but couldn't actually apply it to their own lives and live it out. So renewing your mind is actually moving from a head knowledge to a heart application, Last year, I changed houses. Uh, I moved from one apartment in Edinburgh to another. And there's a season where I had to cognitively tell myself, don't make a left here. You don't live there anymore. In fact, there was a few times I'd actually make the left turn, turn down Maple Street, pull into the driveway, and go, wait, I don't live here anymore. Um, And so the move changed everything about how I got to places. It changed how I got to campus, how I got to the bank, how I got to the dorm to meet students. And that renewing of our minds, I think, is exactly like pulling up to that light and going, I don't live there anymore. I live here. Our mind is renewed. That's not my house anymore. This is my house. Don't make the right here. Make the left and after that, scripture talks about taking every thought captive unto the Lord. And we watch, as our mind, we, we watch what we're thinking. We make sure it lines up with where I now live. That, and this is the renewing of our mind in sanctification. I want to see him. I want to know him. I want to love him. I want to, him to transform me so that when I look in the mirror, I don't see myself. I see Jesus. And this is why the Bible is so important to the children of God. Because it helps us remind us where our home is and how to get there. It reminds us that we don't make the left here, we take the right, and it helps us to take every thought captive and say, this isn't true, this is true. And so this is what fuels our affection for Jesus, putting ourselves in the word of God, believing in the word of God, and which brings me to our next point because there's kind of two parts in this renewing of our mind. The first is setting our minds on things above, and the second is putting to death what belongs to our earthly nature. Paul starts in Hebrews 12 too, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. 
So if doing certain things aren't fueling your passion to know the Lord, to see him exalted, to see others worship him, then you need to be very serious about putting it to death. That's the only way Christ will be uncovered in you when you put to death your earthly nature and put your minds on things of Christ. Colossians 3, 9 and 10 says, if you've you've taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of our creator. We have a student in our Kaiapha ministry at Edinburgh, and she recently um, was experiencing this Holy Spirit work of sanctification in her life. Before she was regularly attending our Kaiapha ministry, she would enjoy going to parties, uh, dancing, flirting with the boys, living the college life. And we met on campus one day and began a friendship that turned into a discipleship. And she quickly got involved in our small group ministry. We were talking one day this summer, and she says, Becca, I just don't understand what's happening. I used to enjoy these things, be excited about these things, living the college life. Uh, That was my goal. And lately, these things have bothered me about myself and about my friends. I just don't get it. And after a moment, I felt the Holy Spirit really give me words to explain what was happening in her spirit. I said, you feel this way because you've been looking through the world's lens. And now that you've been reading scripture, going to small group, you're setting your mind on things above, putting to death your earthly nature. The the Ellie that I know now is not the Ellie I met walking across campus at the beginning of the year. You used to see things through the world's lens, and now you see things through the kingdom lens. And that was creating a dissonance in her and a contrast. And the things she used to like and used to enjoy were bothering her, and she couldn't figure out why. And it was because God was sanctifying her and making him more like her in his image. And she was putting to death those things of her earthly nature and setting her mind on things of Christ. And so this photo is titled Metamorphosis, but what's really communicating at a deeper level is is Christ's work of sanctification in us. And sanctification brings about a change in character or appearance for those who go through it. It's about transformation and conversion. It's about making corrections at any point in time in your life. It's about remolding, realigning, readjusting as Christ prunes you and puts to death the old self to make your character more like his. The Apostle Paul says, throw off every weight. Are there things that are entangling you in your pursuit of Jesus Christ? You don't have to make it overly spiritual. We all, by nature, have things in our life that are morally neutral but still affect our joy in the Lord. There are things that definitely affect my relationship with the Lord that are not overtly sinful, but because of how I'm wired and because of the the bent of my heart, they will create drift in me. And sanctification is about pressing into the Lord, having our mind renewed, and being very serious about putting anything and everything to death that are explicitly sinful or that affect our joy in the Lord. So you can fit anything into this scenario, even, even weird things. I find that if I sleep in, it affects me. If I don't get up and get in the Word, slow things down, lay out my life before the Lord, delighting myself in Him, it affects me. I just, I'm not as dialed in, I won't be as aware, I won't be looking through the kingdom lens uh, and who God is and what He's done for me. So sleeping in affects my delight in the Lord. So I'm going to set my alarm. Now, my definition of sleeping in or setting my alarm is different (laughs) than probably a lot of other people. Um, But whatever it is, I set my alarm and I wake up. So this uncovering the Christ in us, we are renewing our mind. 
taking it off of the things below, setting on things above, and putting to death what belongs to our earthly nature. And we do this in the throes of community. Christ uses community to work out our sanctification, to transform us more and more into his image. And this is why I love that this church is so committed to small group discipleship. Because it's in the fire of community where Christ, uh, where, where things that you hate about yourself, yourself will truly be revealed. So when you look in the mirror, you don't see you, but you see Christ. So if you're entitled, it will come out honestly as you interact with people. If you're proud, if you're an angry person, you know what's going to pull that out of you? People. Prone to depression, prone to run and hide, prone to be negative all the time, that's going to flesh itself out among people. And this is why people avoid it. This is why people come to, are comfortable coming to big churches because you can come and hang out and be encouraged by a few songs and hide in the back and really never truly be known by anyone. But scripture says in Proverbs 27, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. I mean, think about the metalworking process. As iron sharpens iron, that's a violent process. There's sharpening and chiseling and you're knocking stuff off. There's sparks and fire. There's a hammer involved. It's a violent process. And so community isn't always going to feel warm and fuzzy, especially when scripture calls us to confess our sins one to another. But the kingdom of God is built through relationship. Sanctification works itself out in the throes of community. So if you're not involved in a small group community, I encourage you and urge you to seek one out. So just two more things before we close this morning. Sanctification doesn't stop at the renewing of your mind. Jesus says in 1 Peter 1.16, be holy as I am holy. So now the question is, how do we get to be holy as he is holy? I have two suggestions for you. Empty bullets and empty altars. Max Lucado tells a true story about a man who was flying a plane in World War II. He piloted a B-17. On one mission, he sustained flak from Nazi uh, anti-aircraft guns, and even though his gas tanks were hit, the plane didn't explode. And the man was able to land the plane. But on the morning after the attack, the man asked his crew chief for the German shell of the bullets. He wanted to keep a souvenir of this incredible fortune. The crew chief explained that not just one shell, but 11 shells have been found in the gas tank, none of which exploded. Technicians opened the missiles and found them void of explosive charge. They were clean and harmless, with one exception, empty. One bullet contained a carefully rolled piece of paper. On it, a message had been scrawled in the Czech language, translated, the note read, this is all we can do for you now. A courageous assembly line worker was disarming bombs and scribbled the note inside the bullet. He couldn't end the war, but he could save one plane. He couldn't do everything, but he could do something. Empty bullets are about small deeds for other people. Do something, anything, to make one step closer to Jesus. To become more holy and to move in his direction, even if it seems so insignificant. Pray for a friend. Give money to someone who needs it. Help your neighbor mow the grass. Just do something and see what happens. For 16 years, the temple of God laid in ruins. The workers had abandoned the work. To build the first temple, Solomon had 70,000 carriers, 80,000 stone cutters, 3,300 foremen in seven years. It was a gargantuan task. But each stone cutter must have thought, what difference will my work make? But God spoke to the people who were building that temple and said, don't despise, don't despise these small beginnings. 
In God's world, small deeds are big things. Jesus told two parables in Matthew, the first about a mustard seed, the smallest of all seeds, yet a tiny seed can erupt to growing three times our height and with branches large enough to house a flock of birds. The second parable about, a parable about yeast, a pinch of fermented dough can feed 40 people three meals a day for several days. A small group of students committed to replicating themselves through discipleship transforms a whole campus. What begins minutely in God's kingdom ends massively. So sow the mustard seed, spread the yeast, make the call, write the check, organize the committee, be holy as he is holy, and watch Christ uncover himself in you. John Wesley once said, do all the good you can by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. The second process of sanctification has to do with empty altars. Tommy Tenney said, fire doesn't fall on empty altars. You have to have something on the altar of of your life for God to come and set you ablaze. If you haven't given up anything, he can't set your faith on fire. In 2 Samuel 24, David wants to buy a threshing floor from a man. The man offers to give the threshing floor to David for free, but David replies, no, I insist on paying for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. If you're wondering why you're stuck in the same place spiritually, it might be because you aren't willing to sacrifice anything on the altar of your life. Take your reputation, surrender your relationships, get up at the crack of dawn and lay that much coveted sleep on God's altar, fast a meal for a day or two, cancel your Facebook account to spend more time with Jesus. Refuse to say anything negative about anyone ever again. Give something up. Get serious with God and he'll get serious with you. 1 Peter 1, uh, 13 through 16 says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy... So be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Sanctification is the process of God transforming people into his likeness, his image and his character. It's a continuation of salvation, an application of Jesus' work on the cross into our lives. So through Jesus Christ, we can be sanctified and we can be holy as he is holy. So embrace the metamorphosis, whatever that means for you. Set your thoughts on things above. Throw off every weight that hinders you from running your race towards Jesus. Empty the bullet, fill the altar, and watch as God uncovers the Christ in you. And we all, with unveiled faces, continually seeing as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are progressively being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So let's pray this morning. God, we thank you that you love us right where we're at, but you love us too much to let us stay there. So God, in an instant, you justified us before the throne. You called us innocent from all the sin and the mess, and in that moment, you adopted us as your very own, and we are so grateful, Lord. But help us to embrace this process of lifelong transformation, of sanctification, so that when we look in that mirror, we're not seeing us, God, but we're seeing your image lived out in us. 
Help us to be holy as you are holy and to run the race with endurance knowing that you authored it and perfected it. And we love you, Jesus, and we want to be more like you every day. We know it's not by anything that we can do, but by the work of your Holy Spirit, changing us and setting our minds on the things above that we're able to do that. Help us to do the small things well. God, help us to sacrifice the things we don't want to let go of. But God, we just want to uncover more of you in our lives as we seek you. And so this week, God, help us to do that. And it's your name we pray. Amen. All right. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Have a good week. (laughs)